Joshua Howe, and as always, we'll be discussing the latest and greatest in the realm of Raptors basketball, from Scotty Barnes' vibes to Pascal Siakam's spins. No guests today, actually. It's uh, just me for the first time recording solo here. Um, Things are a bit busy on my end, a bit crazy. I just moved to a different location in Toronto, so things are all over the place for me um which means this podcast might be a bit short but i I wasn't able to get a podcast out last week either because of the move so i want to make sure that i'm able to get something out this week even if it is a bit shorter and uh we can dive into some topics and and talk about a couple things that have gone on while i've uh been away from the podcasting world so let's just start with a, a couple uh quick hits here um OG and Anobi, Kem Birch, still out indefinitely. Um, that's the news, you know, a nurse had hoped that both of them would be returning sooner rather than later. OG is out with a hip pointer at the moment. Those have been known to be a bit sporadic in their timelines. And Birch has been out with knee swelling, which, um, you know, is also a bit of a touch-and-go injury, uh, as we've seen so the latest is that they are out indefinitely and uh, no real timeline for when they'll return, which sucks because, wow, wouldn't you just like to see this Raptors team get healthy and play together consistently? Um, but that seems to be the bugaboo for the team the last few seasons. Things have been so crazy, and um, yeah, you just hope that they're able to actually get together and, and log some real minutes together as, as a full rotation, you know, with Siakam back and, and uh, Utah Watanabe back uh, as well. So hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. Um, and then let's, uh, let's talk about Goran Dragic because there's a bit of new news with him as well, even since uh, the other news, which happened last week. So obviously... Um, Dragic looks like he's done with the Raptors, done with the team, right? Um, He's been excused from the team to deal with a personal matter. And, you know, on that end, to that point, um, obviously myself and I hope every Raptors fan wishes him well and wishes uh, that everything is going to be all right with him. Um, You know, he's been nothing but professional by all accounts since arriving and playing with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, You know, there was that bit of um, his initial comments early on uh, when he was in Slovenia and uh, you know, found out that he was being traded to the Raptors from the Miami Heat, um, who had just gone to the finals, you know, previous season and um, and the uh, 2020 season. And uh, that's, that's a tough thing, um, you know, uh, to, to be moved that late in your career to a team that is sort of in the, in the retooling and all that stuff. And he had a comment that came came out a bit wrong and it blew up because the Raptors fan base is a very sensitive fan base. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how it went. But since arriving with the team, again, been professional. It's been good with the, the young players by all accounts. Uh, he's played when he's been asked to. And 
Um, you know, ultimately he fell out of the rotation, not playing well to start the season. And so it would seem, you know, unlikely that he returns now. That that was probably the last game, you know, that the, the game where he filled in for Fred Van Vliet as a starter uh, when Van Vliet was out. Um, that's probably the last game you'll see Dragic in a Raptors jersey. And, uh, you know, the Raptors are really left with a couple options now, right? Um, to trade him or buy him out, uh, it was never likely that Dragic was going to be on the team all season long. Uh, you know, there have been talks about him being rerouted in the original Kyle Lowry trade from uh, to Miami that would have sent him elsewhere. The Dallas Mavericks have been the team that his name has been connected to for a long time here. Uh, not that surprising, right? Luka Doncic, the superstar of the Mavericks, uh, is uh, also Slovenian and has been his teammate on the Slovenian national team. Um, so those two guys getting together, uh, you know, the Mavericks want to appease Luka, obviously, and it sounds like Luka would like to have Dragic on the team. Uh, sounds like Dragic wants to go there, uh, according to the latest news. Not that surprising, but you know it was on Real GM recently that Dragic um, would prefer to go to the Dallas Mavericks if he can. So, I, you know, a lot of people kind of expected this to happen at the start of the season, and it looks like it's going to happen. So, yeah, the Raptors really have two options now. <clears throat> they can trade him or buy him out. Those are the options they've had the whole season. The thing is, uh, trading him at this point seems extremely unlikely. Dragic's trade value, you know, when you follow the rotation, not very good for your trade value. So uh, he is now uh, very difficult to trade. You know, his his contract is is quite tradable, a, a bit high, you know, and then around nineteen million. But uh, you know, trading him now, uh, you're just not going to get back too many assets so early on the Raptors were already doing a bit of a standoff with the Mavericks they were basically playing a game of chicken um you know the Raptors wanted probably what sounds like Dwight Powell Canadian by the way um he would probably be a very good fit on the Raptors uh although you know they kind of have That'd be interesting to see what they would do with the rotation then, but uh, he would be an interesting fit. And then the Raptors probably wanted um, an additional sweeteners uh, to make that deal go. Partly just because they knew how much the Mavericks want, would want Dragic. Um, and at that point, you know, Dragic was also coming in as experienced veteran guy who had been one of the best players on uh, the Heat's run to the finals in 2020. Uh, he had a great postseason. And so, you know, a veteran guy um, has all that experience, is savvy, can still be a playmaker, can still score. That's what you're looking at, right? And Dragic is basically a known quantity. And, and that's what the Raptors knew they had at that point in time, or at least thought they had. And... Um, on the other side of the things, obviously, Dallas did not want to give up those additional assets. They didn't want to give up any of their young guys, um, like Tyrell Terry, for example, didn't want to give those any of those guys up and uh, attach those as Powell. They probably 
were starting with a package around Powell and hoping that he would be enough to entice Toronto on his on his own um, and get a package going that way, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So they decided each to play chicken. You know, the, the Mavericks decided that they could wait out the Raptors, hoping that it would come to a buyout uh, and Dragic would fall to them that way, and then they wouldn't have to give up any assets to get him. And the Raptors were hoping that, you know, all right, if you don't want him now, we, we can we can be patient and we can wait until the deadline. He can play for us until then. He can help mentor some of our young guys and um, we can go that route. And unfortunately for Toronto, it didn't work out so well with uh, Dragic not playing well and then falling out of the rotation as Nurse figured things out um, and was kind of deciding, you know, how the how the guard minutes and the wing minutes were going to go and, and who he was spreading uh, that time around to. So um, it looks like to this point that Dallas is winning that game of chicken because really the only viable option at this point now is for Toronto to buy out Dragic, which is not great for Toronto, right? He's got a 19-ish million dollar contract, so... They'd have to have negotiations about how much he'd be willing to give back in those deals. Um, a buyout would mean Dragic gets to go to his preferred destination, assuming here Dallas, the Mavericks, and um, you know the Raptors would clear some space off of their cap sheet, which may or may not be very useful. Probably not very useful. Uh, they're already operating as a team. Yeah, over the cap, but below the luxury tax. You know, they were looking at the luxury tax early on in the season because for a bit there they were operating above it. But uh, when they waived Sam Decker earlier in the season, that put them below the luxury tax line. So they're not, uh, you know, they're still hovering right around it. They're very close, but they're not really in danger of paying the luxury tax at the moment. And obviously the team doesn't want to do that for, um, you know, at best probably a low-level playoff team. So... They're uh, not looking to do that. And, um, you know, one of the moves that they initially had thought would save some money there would be moving Dragic, obviously. Uh, but now that doesn't even really factor into that. So, yeah, a lot of stuff going on with Dragic. Um, I would say the most likely path from here is that he gets bought out and ends up going to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you probably won't see too much of a too much from him or hear too much from him um, up until that point so it'll probably be quiet for a bit there as uh as Dragic and the Raptors sort of negotiate and figure out where they want to go from this point so okay so let's move on to something actually somewhat connected uh just today so I'm recording this on Tuesday uh December 7th and earlier in the day the Indiana Pacers um, it was reported that they are looking to rebuild, start more uh, more of a full rebuild, fresh rebuild, and they are making some of their core players available, including Karis LeVert, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, and Miles Turner. And of course, immediately Raptors Twitter freaking out about Miles Turner, right? The Raptors have been connected to Miles Turner for seasons now, and uh, they still are. You know, he's a young guy, he's mid-20s, um, the last few seasons, he's been one of the best defensive big men in the league. Um, been underrated at times, you know, sometimes it has stretches of being up and down a bit, but, um, when he's locked in, he really can be a great 
defensive big man. Um, he's a center. It's pretty obvious why Toronto would be interested. Uh, it's pretty obvious what his fit would be on the team. Uh, and so, you know, that would be the name that if Toronto is going to have conversations with Indiana, which most assuredly they will. Almost every team, you know, when when players that are that good become available from another team, um, every other team around the league is going to call and ask and, and just see what the price is and um, what they're what they're looking for and all and that kind of thing. And uh, so the Raptors will certainly call and see, and uh, that would probably be the name they would focus on if you asked me. Would be Miles Turner. Um, you know, he's on a good deal as well on a deal that's very, uh, trade friendly, right? He's, he's got an $18 million contract. Um, and so when it comes to Raptors trade scenarios, it, it's, you know, there, there's options, but it's maybe not as easy as it may look, right? So the, the Dragic option is there. Um, it's the one that everybody's going to look to first, right? But that's also maybe the least likely or, you know, I just don't see it being likely. So you have to ask why Indiana would want the Dragic contract, right? So they're going to go into a rebuild. Well, Dragic is a veteran who wasn't good enough to crack the Raptors rotation consistently. Um, unless you really are interested in getting him to, to, you know, um, help mentor some young guys. Uh, I'm not sure why you would... Uh, bring him into that sort of scenario, especially when he has shown interest of playing the twilight of his career elsewhere on a team that has a better chance of winning than a team like Indiana does. So, you know, that's really tough. If, If that's the salary filler that Toronto was sending to Indiana, um, and Indiana ends up just, you know, eating that, uh, contract and then and buying him out so that he can still go to the Mavericks. Um, well, then it's about what's what are the additional sweeteners that Toronto is sending in that deal that Indiana wants. Are you attaching young players, picks, both? Um, you know, I haven't I haven't dove into this super deep yet, but um, you kind of have to figure out what that uh, uh, package looks like, especially because Turner is not only is he young and good, um, he has still has two years on his deal. So, you know, he, it's not like he's an expiring contract and you have to be concerned about him just leaving immediately. You have a bit of time at, at the least uh, with, with him being, if he gets traded over. So yeah, it's really figuring out who you want to trade. Obviously fans of their own team are always hesitant and, and uh, to deal any of the players that are good. Um, fans of their own team are always higher on a team's assets than maybe they should be. But uh, the Raptors do have lots of good young players, interesting young players. So it's about looking at those types of packages that you could make and deciding on one that you would be okay with if you are, the Raptors front office. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. And you know what? Maybe it's not Dragic. Maybe at the end of the day you go, okay, well, it's just too difficult to send Dragic as salary filler and find some sweeteners to attach. Maybe you start by 
building a package around Gary Trent Jr. Maybe that's the contract that you're looking at. Um, you know, th- that's probably that's he's been good this season and people will be like, no way, man. He's on a you know, he's living up to his contract now. Sixteen million a year. Got him for three more years on that deal. Uh, you know, he's 22 years old. He can only improve. Maybe people don't want to to deal him, especially considering his skill set is so valuable on this specific Raptors team. Um, but it, it depends what your priorities are. And uh, I think maybe the front office looks at that. And, and I think it's definitely something they would consider. Uh, it's not something that they would just, you know, hang up the phone if, if, if the Pacers asked to start, you know, start negotiations with um, Gary Trent Jr. As, as the guy in a package for Miles Turner. So, uh, and, you know, and uh, as always, uh, the fan base has uh, the In Mass We Trust mantra to follow along, and obviously Bobby Webster as well. They have been very, very good at making the Raptors very, very good. So they uh, fans can, I think, relax a little bit in in knowing that uh, if something does happen there, if a move does happen there, it'll probably be uh, one of the better options that Toronto could have had. So, yeah. I think I think that's where we're going to leave that for now. But obviously, very interesting, right? The Raptors, man, especially with Kevin Birch out, uh, you know, and the defense has picked up uh, the last few games. But when you're talking long term and macro picture, oh boy, you really gotta. The the Raptors, the small ball is is just tough, right? All the time, you see what the Raptors are going for. Nurse has a specific primary defensive scheme that relies a lot on five guys being locked in it can be very good um but it's just it's and it's it's a tough defense it costs a lot of there's a lot of energy that goes into it um a lot of high iq plays and things like that and it's just you know if there's one break in the play or you know rebounds can be it can be tough even if the play you know even if the defense forces a stop and it goes so, and it goes well. Um, the offense can come in if they're just bigger and still crash the boards and get buckets that way. It's just tough when you don't have a legitimate seven footer, um, you know, defensive oriented big man on the back line to help finish plays off. Right in the NBA, that's just it's just tough, right? And obviously, the demise of the big man people have been talking about seasons ago was grandly overstated. And never truly came to fruition at all. Um, you know, even just last season, the team that won the title, the Milwaukee Bucks, they were a very big team, massive team. Brooke Lopez on that team. Giannis is not a small guy. Um, yeah. So the big men are still very, very important, obviously. And the Raptors could really use one. Adding a guy like Miles Turner to the Raptors, you know, with the core that they've got and some of the young guys they've got. Uh, you know, that's, I, there's just no way of looking at the, the defensive end of things there and not, and not uh, being able to get excited about that end of things. So uh, the offense would be interesting as well, but uh, I think the defense obviously is where you're starting to look at is particularly because the Raptors have been a good offensive team this year. They've been the opposite of what people thought they were going to be. They kind of flipped the script there. Everybody thought they were going to be 
you know, a, a very, very good defensive team based on their uh, the individual talents of each player. Very many of them are very good defensive players. And then, you know, a not-so-good offensive team because just in the half court, the last season they struggled, and this season, you know, no Kyle Lowry anymore. Uh, Fred, Fred Van Vliet in a new role, OG Ananobi in a new role. There's just a lot of stuff that has to go really right for you to have a good good offense, a very good offense. Siakam was out to start the season, you know, has to work his way back. Um, and, he, and he was very, very good, by the way, in the last game against the Wizards. Um, you know, so they came in with the, and they came in with that identity too, that that's what they were going to be. They were going to be a rough and tumble defensive team. They were going to try to hold opponents down to numbers, total scoring numbers below a hundred and beat them that way. And, you know, get out and run, trap them on defense, fly around with your arms out, get out and transition and score on them that way. And, uh, it's kind of... It's kind of been the opposite, you know. They they've been uh, a pretty good defensive, uh, pretty good offensive team, and the defense is just not connected yet. Um, although there's a lot of potential on that end, but yeah, the offense has been better than expected, and part of that is because Fred Van Vliet has been much better than expected. I think just in terms of you know, obviously he's always been good, but really took another step in terms of being a, a an individual creator and kind of filling that Kyle Lowry role in some ways, um, and doing it his own unique way, but. Uh, really drawing a lot of parallels there this season. And, um, yeah, the Raptors, you know, they haven't been a good half-court team, but they are finding ways to, to mitigate that. You know, one of the ways has been the offensive rebounding, credit to Nurse, uh, having guys, uh, you know, having the guys who are good at that, knowing some of his personnel who are very, very good at that. You know, Precious Sachua Precious is good at that. Kem Birch is extremely good at that. Scotty Barnes is very good at that. Um, and And helping mitigate the, the damage there in the half court by having guys crash the glass and provide second opportunities, things like that. Still not a great uh, scoring team in the half court, but it's been manageable enough that their offense in other ways has been, it's helped uh, buoy it there. And so they've been better than expected there. So uh, yeah, bring in a guy who could help on the back line, the defense. And all of a sudden you, you know, you have a better team, maybe a team, maybe it raises the team ceiling to, I don't know. What, it, what like what what do you think? If it in a hypothetical, obviously it depends on what the package is, but in a hypothetical trade that brings Miles Turner to the Raptors. Just just say in, in your mind, you know, Gary Trent Jr is going out. And then there's whatever pieces around that to make it, you know, to make everybody happy. Um the, the Raptors they improve, right? Probably. They definitely improve defensively. Do they improve offensively? Do they hold steady? Trent has been really shooting lights out this season. If they improve how much? I, I think maybe maximum there'd be more like a second round out than than a first round out type of team. Um you know, at the at their greatest potential then. And then next season maybe maybe it's something more, but I think that's kind of what you're looking at there. Uh, okay, so then just a couple quick things here before we end off today's podcast, uh, today's Raptors Room, which is really cozy considering it's mostly just me and talking into a microphone to people who I hope are listening, but 
Never done this before, so it's a little weird talking to myself. Um, Yuta Watanabe, the last time I did a podcast, was still out, and he is back now. Um, he's looked really good, right? As the team is right now, um, you know, and his shot is starting to come around too. I mean, he played all summer um, Japan and the Olympics, and uh, and looked really good there. In preseason, he looked really good. Looked like he'd taken another step from sort of the three and D guy he was last season. His shooting looked better. He looked more confident. Um, was getting shots on the move and stuff like that. And uh, you know, everybody it's exciting to see him back in in the rotation, right? Because he's definitely a rotation guy. And he started off his offense was a little rusty, understandably, but the defense, the energy was there, the stuff we know um, about Yuta as a player was there. He looked good, he was moving well, and that that was exciting. And you know, I'm just gonna say it right now. As this Raptor as this Raptors team is currently constructed, I think Yuta Watanabe is probably the team's best rim defender. Um rim protector. You know, he he really is good at it. And he had some of those quotes about, you know, I'm never not going to jump. Uh, he's a great weak side help defender. And um, he just has such a high IQ and great timing. And he knows exactly where guys are going to be and when they're going to be. And um, so sneaky athletic, you know, really gets up there, has the extension, has blocked a few guys at the summit already this season. And he's going to keep doing it. And uh, he's just, he's, he's so good at that. He's, just got all the instincts for it and the energy and all of that and it's so great to see him back in the rotation because he really does make the Raptors better and um, you know he is what people would call a value contract you're definitely getting more out of uh, his game and what he does for the team than um, what he is being paid so uh, great to see Watanabe back Um, hope he continues to round into form and you know, those minutes are going to be there for him. So the last thing I kind of want to get into, kind of like two, I guess three kind of quick back-to-back-to-back things about Scotty Barnes. First of all, the look back. I don't know how much people have talked about this. It was brought up a little bit in one of the post-games, uh, you know, my colleague Lewis Zatzman asked Siakam about it. Siakam just said he didn't see the play. And Nurse was asked about it, I think, by uh, TSN's Josh Lewinberg. And um, Nurse mentioned that, you know, uh, it's fine as long as he scores it. But Barnes has this, like, interesting tick where every time he's out on a fast break, if he's out there alone... Every single time, and he's been doing this way before he joined the Raptors. He did it in college as well. He looks back uh, at the defender or at whoever, just the open floor, to see if anyone's behind him for you know for who knows what reason. Before he rises up and dunks or lays it in or whatever, he does it every single time. I'm not entirely sure why he does it if it's just habit at this point or, or an intimidation play sometimes. Um, but uh, at some point, yeah, maybe it's not the best idea because, you know, if he's looking at a guy, I mean, Alvin Williams called him out on a broadcast actually uh, when he missed 
he went up for a dunk and was looking right at the defender rather than the rim, and he ended up missing. And uh, Alvin Williams talked about how you just you, know, you can't be doing that. You just got to look at focus on the rim. You got to be focused on scoring there. And uh, you know, I, I personally I agree with him. Right? I mean, you gotta. It's just kind of an interesting thing. I'm not entirely sure why he does it, but uh, at some point, uh, I think he probably will move out of that habit just because if it ends up causing too many misses in the future, that'll be something that will probably be addressed at some point. Uh, But yeah, it's just kind of an interesting, weird little thing. Speaking of interesting, weird little things, uh, the Barnes bursts. um, It's kind of a fun thing, right? Because he's he's a rookie. And... Rookies are always finding themselves in their first season. Um, Scotty's had a lot of, like, he's had some good first halves for sure, some decent first halves, some really good ones, um, but generally not as good as his second halves, in particular his third quarters where he was uh, especially shooting from three, which he's been doing more lately, which has been exciting and great because he's actually quite a, you know, good three-point shooter, especially on open shots and catch and shoots, um, even pull-ups, uh, and, and not always wide open either. Like guys, even guys in his face, he's had some, you know, sizing up guys out on the arc and um, from triple threat position and still scored that way too. And uh, it's just been insanely impressive because everyone talked about how he was definitely not a shooter coming out of the draft that his offense really needed work. And I've just been majorly impressed by his offense to this point in the season. And the shooting from three has been tremendous. And um, nurse keeps talking about how he wants him to shoot more. And yeah, um, you know, he should, especially if he's shooting him like this and scoring like this. But he is still a rookie, right? And he and you see the potential, but there's a lot of these bursts and where he just kind of takes over games and they're completely understandable as to why they happen. You know, not only is he a rookie, but like he's coming into a hierarchy that um, has been set. You know, Fred Van Vliet is above him in that hierarchy, so it's Pascal Siakam, so it's OG Ananobi. You don't want to be stepping on anybody's toes, you know. Nurse doesn't run a lot of plays for Scotty Barnes specifically. So when Barnes decides to take over, um, and, you know, he's also got that personality. Who, he's a very unselfish player. He wants to pass. He wants to make plays for others. Um, when he decides to take over, it's sort of in specific scenarios where the offense has really fallen flat a lot of the time and it needs something to pick it up and then Barnes is like well nothing's really going right now so maybe I'll try and in a lot of those scenarios it works out and he's able to go on a little run of his own and they're kind of like bursts for now especially in the third quarters and uh yeah you know it's just kind of fun because you know that years down the road however many years that will be as Barnes rises in team hierarchy his usage rate increases all that stuff as he gets better that those bursts will expand outward until he eventually is presumably, hopefully, just taking over games as the best player on the floor. That's what you're looking at and hoping for. And that's kind of what uh, these early bursts are showing me and what I'm uh, you know, assuming that they're going to turn into. And, and that in itself is exciting, right? Obviously, it's some prognostication there, but... Um, it's exciting to think about these bursts becoming game-long things and Scotty just being that dominant on the floor all the time. And it's definitely a possibility because the guy is 20 years old and uh, just has so much so much to give there. Uh, so, yeah, last thing 
uh, was just another Barnes moment that was kind of funny. You know, at practice today, the Tuesday, he mentioned uh, he had posted a video to his Instagram about uh, there was a 905 game yesterday on Monday, and you know some of the Raptors players are always encouraged. The organization always encourages uh, you know the connectivity between the parent club and the a G League affiliate, and so you see a lot of Raptors players going to 905 games to make the trip out to Saga a fair bit. And uh, Mississauga, that is, in case you're not as familiar. And uh, they played at Scotiabank Arena on Monday, played a day game, and uh, Siakam was there, and so was Scotty Barnes. And uh, Barnes went down and <laughs> approached Siakam and kind of did a fake fan thing where he's like, oh my God, Siakam. And I was trying to get a handshake and, and all that. It was cute, it was funny. And, um, you know, he's asked about it at practice, and he was saying that Siakam is his favorite player and all that kind of stuff and you know it's it's a joke it's jesting and all that stuff but it's fun right it's cool because on a bit more of a serious note like that's the team's uh, best player at his healthiest and stuff right like fred fred has been the team's best player this season but siakam is the guy on the team um when he's at his best and and all that and it's just cool to see that guy and the rookie phenom you know developing a relationship not only on the floor, because they are getting better there too, together, but off the floor as well. And, you know, um, it's just it's just something you want to see, not only for the future of the team, but also just knowing that those two guys are really getting along and, be- and developing a relationship and some level of friendship and um, that, that that is becoming uh, something, something big as the season goes on and hopefully as uh, the Raptors' future looms. Um, obviously, they haven't got as much time on the floor together this season as you would like so far because Siakam had been out to start the season and Rusty when he came back. And Barnes is a rookie, so he's figuring some things out early on. And Siakam and and has to learn how to was reintegrating himself with the team. And uh, there's, there's a bunch of things there. But you know, I, now you're starting to see at the last couple games of what they're able to kind of do together, especially on some particular plays. And they both got really high. Basketball IQs, really high instincts, uh, um, strong instincts, and uh, very athletic players, very smart, uh, quick players, and yeah, you're just you're gonna see that, especially on defense. I think eventually you're gonna see that coalesce into something really special. So yeah, what a couple weeks it has been. The uh, especially coming off that dominant win against Washington, which has been great, uh, which was great, a great game, and uh, you know, looking forward, uh, just searching it up here real quick to remind myself, you know, the Raptors got a couple, um, some tough games, some winnable games coming up, right? They got the Thunder on Wednesday tomorrow, <laughs> extremely winnable game. Uh, against Canadian Shea Gilgus, Alexander's Oklahoma City Thunder. Then they got the Knicks, who have been a good team this season. Uh, definitely a winnable game, though. That's Friday. And then Sacramento Kings are in town, and uh, that will bring an end. Uh, it's next Monday, and so that will bring an end to the Raptors' seven-game homestand. Um, and so they, they jump back out on the road again to play Brooklyn before returning home to, play, to face the Bulls and the Warriors. So that... That three-game stretch there is a, is a pretty tough one, but uh, 
you know, a couple easier games before that begins. So hopefully the Raptors can get back to, um, you know, maybe just over 500 or, or at least hovering around that mark. Uh, that's where they're going to want to be for a bit until they can, I think, um, hopefully get a full healthy team on the floor and then put together a run and uh, find themselves more seriously in the playoff race as they get closer to the trade deadline so that they kind of know what they're doing there and have a better idea of where they want to be going forward. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm, uh, I'm going to end the show today, guys. Um, I want to thank you all again for listening. As always, I very much appreciate you listening to me ramble on and on here. Um, as always, if you have any thoughts or questions about the podcast or even just uh, wondering you know, what kind of guests you'd like to see on the podcast or who I might bring on, or if you have suggestions of, of people you'd like to see on the show, uh, I do know some people, especially in the Raptors space. So I'm sure we would be able to, to bring them on for a conversation. So hit me up, you know, uh, whether it be on Twitter or, uh, or whatever, or if you want to message clutch points or something and let them know, and uh, we'll make that happen. So you'll be able to find episodes of this podcast. It's called The Raptors Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else podcasts are found. You can also follow the Clutch Points Raptors account on Twitter at Raptors Nation CP, where it links to everything and everything Raptors will be posted. Until next time, you can follow me at Howvolution on Twitter, and you can find my own work Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you.